Hi friends, welcome along. This is the Influence Podcast. If you're looking to inspire more people, have a positive impact on a global scale, build an influential and magnetic brand, and build a profitable business with your unique gifts and talents, then the Influence Podcast is for you. I'm your host, Jake Adam Davey, former high school French and Spanish teacher, turned international speaker, online business coach, and Instagram growth and monetization enthusiast. You can find tools, resources, and so much more on the website, jakeadamdavy.com. And you can also say hello on Instagram at jakeadamdavy. Please also, if you're enjoying the podcast, do feel free to leave a review. The more stars, the better, of course. But equally, if you're not enjoying it, you are still invited to leave a review. The one thing I would also ask is, of course, sharing is caring. So if you've listened to something or heard something in the podcast that you think you've enjoyed or would be useful and beneficial to other people, then please do hit that share button and pass it on to somebody that you know. I'd be so very, very grateful and so thankful if you did. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Influence Podcast. Hello, welcome along. This is episode number 58 of the Influence Podcast. And today I am interviewing Bijal Palmer. Now, Bijal and I came to meet probably around nine months or so ago um, through the uh, the Rethink uh, Academy, uh, a brand, a company that we're both currently working alongside and supporting with their growth in social media uh, and building their business. And Immediately, I was drawn to Bijal. Uh, as you will see in the in the conversation, you'll see exactly why. I know that you're going to love this episode. Bijal shares how you can convert more leads into clients by outsourcing the follow up to virtual assistants, and why we entrepreneurs need to be more bee like. All part of the name, uh, Bijal, uh, and why we entrepreneurs need to be more bee like. And there's a lot of focus on this, but it makes a lot of sense. This is the thing that I like. So he asked the question: If bees can do it, why can't we? Bijal Palmer is on the Beeline mission to help organizations and entrepreneurs become more efficient, productive, intentional, and completional, as in seeing things all the way through and all the way to the end. You know, many of us, we're good at starting things, right? We're good at getting things started, but getting things finished, getting things completed, getting things done and over the line is something that occasionally we all fall down on. I include myself in that. So more completional as well. And again, it comes back to being inspired by what bees do and bees in nature so he's got quite an incredible degree of experience um so he's an operation outsourcing and lead conversion consultant his deep depth of experience comes from over a decade of experience working with and managing a team of over 300 plus yes 300 plus virtual employees so you can imagine um this this environment with so many people working in the same 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 space and serving companies, entrepreneurs, business owners all around the world. So he's, he's had a fundamental, and his company's had a fundamental part in, in the growth development uh, of companies all around the planet, which I think is so very, very exciting. Um, we dive in, we talk about a number, a range of different topics. Uh, we start with the, the, uh, his, his background. He's got an incredible story about leaving uh, America and, and, and how that came about and what he had to do then and, and turning that into a positive. Um, and then we dive into some areas which I would never even consider talking about. Uh, ancient symbology is one, uh, and conversations about Ganesh. Um, there's certainly a lot that I learned in this episode as well. And then also well-structured 
um, and, and, and great intentioned uh, start to the day as well. So I thoroughly enjoyed recording this. Uh, I can already say that I'm hoping that BJ is going to come on for a, a, a further episode in the future. And I know that you're going to enjoy this as well. So let's do it. Let's dive in. This is the interview with Bijal Palmer. Okay, welcome along. So today I am really, really excited to be uh, sat with, virtually sat with, I guess, um, Vijal Palmer. Vijal, um, we've, we've just been through the introduction, so I just want to say firstly, thank you so much for, for joining us today and welcome to the Influence Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. So there's, there's so many places to start. The, and the, the, first thing, the first thing that I have to say, and I have to share this with everybody that's listening because this I absolutely love, is I've interviewed, I've been fortunate to interview a number of people for the show now on the podcast, but there is absolutely nobody else that's come on who has been as organized as you have in advance. The, the kind of the sheets and the information, the links, the photos, um, the, the, the topic areas and your strength and your knowledge, it's all condensed so perfectly into, into the documents that you and the team have shared. Um, so I wanted to just highlight that because it shows sort of your organization, the way that you work and such. Um, how did that kind of come about, just the way that that's positioned? Is that something that you've, that's happened over time? Is that the way that you always operate in such, such structure and things? How has that kind of come about? You know, I never thought of it, um, but, you know, but yes, I mean, we teach productivity, efficiency uh, as, a, uh, as, a, as a general concept to people, especially outsourcing the, the things they shouldn't be doing. But yeah, you know, as entrepreneurs, we have so much going on. And thinking of who we're working with, our vendors, our clients, our partners, what can we do to make their life easier? You know, I know that you as a professional have a lot of things going on. So the easier I can make your life, then the better relationship we're going to have right from the get-go. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, thank you for that because it, I literally picked that up. I opened it up and straight away, I just thought, this is fantastic. Every single thing is there that I need. And I immediately sent a message to one of, one of the team uh, here and said, take a look at what BGL sent over. Uh, it's, it's really, really organized. It's fantastic. Where, where does this, where does this, uh, and it may be linked to your name, uh, Bijan, but where does this fascination with bees come from? Where, do, where does that come from? Okay, so right, right before my 50th birthday, which was last October, um, somehow I picked up a, um, a, a management book called Wisdom of the Bees. And essentially it was a manual of how to help organizations run more efficiently, effectively, and improve productivity but based on observations of bees and beehives and bee culture. So, so I kind of slowly since that point in time started to kind of evolve this brand into bees. But when I started to study bees on a more closer level, um, here's a, very simplistically speaking. So bees serve their purpose. So I mean, if you've been any, anywhere in, in personal development or anywhere in this kind of this whole you know, business development uh, world, I'm sure you've heard or people listening have heard the concept of, you know, you know follow your purpose or live your or whatever so so bees uncannily have a purpose and they all have a very different role in the hive right so as entrepreneurs first of all we, you know we all have a purpose you know and if we can find that purpose we can be much more um effective in what we do but secondly bees also serve their hive right they they, they work as the hive in i.e we can translate that to the community to family lastly bees serve humanity this is the big thing right so the net result of what the bees do impacts our food supply. So as entrepreneurs, as, as a kind of one of our core values, if we can be more like bees, we'll be doing a lot better service, not just for ourselves, for our 
community and community would include vendors, clients, you know, partners, et cetera, but also humanity as a, as a whole. Not to mention that bees are very efficient, very productive, and they defy science and logic, meaning that bees should not be able to fly based on everything we know about aerodynamics and you know, mechanisms. So we entrepreneurs kind of defy logic often in how we do things. So that's, that's kind of where the, the bee symbology came from. Not to mention that bees throughout history have been symbolic of luck, prosperity, um, and, and honey, you know, been craved by, by mankind for as long as we know. Thank you. That's, I, I love that. It's, I, it stood out to me quite quickly. Um, I'm, I think, as you know, I'm based in Manchester at the moment, and um, the, the worker bee is a symbol of Manchester. It's one of the, 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 the major symbols of Manchester, um, particularly after a few um, events that happened over the past three or four years um, with, uh, with the bombings and such. And, and it's, the city's really taken on that um, in, in earnest. So I, I, I find that fascinating anyway, and to see that uh, in different areas from entrepreneurship to business, how, how Manchester as a city has taken that on as well. I love that. I take that further because you, you talked about the, there's so many facets of that that link to business and entrepreneurship and stuff and, and, and such. Where, how did, did how did that analogy come around though? Because I, I find that, that, that really interesting. So it came from a book that you were, that you were, that you were, that you were gifted or that you were reading that you came across. Where does your background lie within business and entrepreneurship? So, so really for the last 10 years, I think you know, that's probably the most important. About 10 years ago, exactly 10 years ago, um, I started working with an outsourcing company. Um, let, me, let me actually go back just one year prior to that, because I think it's important that we look at the build-up to that. So in 2009, I hit a really low point, uh, Jake, as an entrepreneur. I've been to the seminars, read the books, the CDs, the tapes, you know, since 1992. And, you know, when you, when you consume that much stuff, you kind of have this self-evaluation um, that you should be a lot further ahead in your life, right? And I, and I wasn't. And I had setback after setback, partners kind of lying to me. And I just kept myself at this really low point where, um, yet again, I had taken another hit and found myself pretty close to broke. And in February of 2009, I had a low, I call it the dark night of the soul moment. And I, I, the thought that came into my head was, is my life insurance policy the only way I'm going to achieve financial success in my family, right? Now, I'm not saying what I would have done next, but, you know, obviously I didn't, you know, do what a lot of people like doing and do do. But it, it was a very strong, genuine thought. And I remember that, that, that moment well, because I scared my wife, I scared my kids. And in our lowest of the low, we forget so easily all the things still going for us, right? Because we, as, as people, have been kind of programmed by society to, to equate our self-worth with our net worth, right? Yeah. And if you look at all the success stories in life, at some point or other, they've all taken hits, right? So if you, if you, ha, you know, if, if anyone into this, almost, a, I don't know a single entrepreneur who hasn't taken a hit at some point. And especially right now, when people are taking big hits, people are losing their entire businesses overnight, you know, but bees are future focused. They don't look back at what has been, they look forward to what can be, right? And so in that moment, I, you know, I basically got out of that, that, that dark night of the soul moment and the first thing I remember, the first lesson I remember latching onto Jake in that moment was gratitude. So I had to stop and think, okay, things are down, bank accounts low. My, I've got a beautiful, lovely, loving wife. I've got my kids. 
you know, I've got to just keep going forward. And I've got a great group of friends. So from there, I did a series of personal development events and started to rebuild myself. And around August of that year, 2009, I said, you know what, what, can, what value can I bring to entrepreneurs? So I was going to events and I stumbled into outsourcing. I had no background in outsourcing at the time. I stumbled into it. I hired three ladies in the Philippines and just started to kind of rebrand myself at that moment. Well, the very first event I went to in my new outsourcing uh, on, um, the very first speaker on the stage was someone who's been in the outsourcing business for, for a few years and had a team of 100 people. So immediately my heart sank. I was like, oh my God, I, I, was, I, was, I came here to like network, to pick up some clients. And the first person on stage is talking outsourcing. That's my, you know, bad <laughs> luck. Right? Yeah. But, I, but I did something at the end of that, that, you know, his session on the break, I went up to him and I said, hey, um, you know, you've been in this outsourcing business for a while. You know, could, would you mentor me? Would you kind of show me the ropes? And he says, yeah, why, why don't you give me a call on Monday? And, you know, chat. So I called him on Monday, uh, left a message, and he called me back. Anyway, for the next six weeks, we kept, you know, exchanging messages, talking back and forth. Weeks later, he said, look, we both have a passion for building an our, our company for public speaking. Why don't we just join forces? So around October of that year, we joined forces. And I kind of landed myself a role with about 100 virtual assistants at the time. Then over the next 10 years, um, we basically built it from there. We peaked at around 500 assistants. But in 2010, I had to leave the U.S. This is where I was living at the time. And as the immigration got screwed up, our paperwork got screwed up by the lawyer. And so basically, in, in literally in uh, June of 2010, the lawyer called me up and said, look, I'm really sorry, but you've got two choices become illegal in the US or leave the country. So we had like 30 days to sell everything. We sold about 95% of our stuff, literally packed four red bags, three computers, two kids, one wife, and we left. Wow. And instead of coming back to England, which is where we're from, we ended up going to India. And literally for the next five years, we literally lived that virtual lifestyle. So running a team, my clients were predominantly in the US. My team of VAs, growing team of VAs was in the Philippines. I just remember this moment, I was in a rickshaw, on one side was um, an office building, uh, Google, and the other side was a slum, and there's a cow in between. And it was like, when I, and I, was, I, was on the, I was messaging people in the Philippines, messaging people in the US, and that was, this was like 2000, you know, God, 12, 13. That's just a realization that the world we live in today is so different, almost a precursor to what we're going through right now. So, but over that 10 years, over the five years, especially five years traveling, I had to learn to be really effective. Like I had to learn how to really delegate well and, and really recognize what's the best use of my time in the organization and what can I delegate out? Even though the work's been assigned to me, you know, should I be the one, you know, doing this task or could I find someone in our team outside of our company to do the work? So it just kind of evolved from, from there. Sometimes, you know, you, you don't have a plan of doing it. It just, it just happens. So that, that's kind of the story. So over those 10 years, of those last 10 years, um, really just living that virtual lifestyle, having to learn to, to make the most of the time, because you know, we still traveled uh, a lot during those five years and had to balance the lifestyle and business at the same time. Incredible. I, I, there's, there's so much in there that I'd, I'd lo- like to dig into, but the idea of that decision within 30 days of, of, you know, what do we do? And then selling, selling all your, all your stuff. And you've got well, his, the decision was made over a 30 minute cup of tea. 
So let me just I'm going to explain this. So yeah. when we found out from the lawyer that we had to leave the country, well, first of all, he gave us two choices. We didn't want to become illegal, so we leave the country. But we had no idea where we were going to go. Um, my wife called a couple of friends over, and they said, how about you guys go to India? And we're literally drinking a cup of Indian tea at the time. So within 30 minutes, we said yes. We didn't know where. We didn't know who we were going to stay. We, we didn't even know anyone in India at the time, really. We just knew like, one, one friend there. Yeah. But it, it felt that so, and my friend suggested it. Hey, you guys, what, rather than going back to England and rather than fighting what, what's happening, um, do something different. And so we said, you know what? Okay. It, it felt right at the time. So why this is important, Jake, is that uh, right now I see a lot of entrepreneurs looking at the closed door, which means that the, the world we've lived in is, is, is past, right? And yet a lot of people are just hoping that it's going to just come back. Everything will be okay. And it might, it, it could all just correct itself in you know, the next few months here. However, a lot of entrepreneurs, a small number have said, this is the new reality. Let's pivot. Let's do something different. And they're the ones taking advantage of this opportunity, not taking advantage of people necessarily, but taking advantage of the new opportunity, the new industries that are emerging in, in these times. Now, yeah. with that said, there's a lot of people out there who are, who are taking literally advantage of people, um, their fear and their concerns, their worries. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think I, I, that let's let's follow on with that then, because I think that's a really good point. And when the talking about the current situation now and the COVID situation, which now recording this in in mid September, um, you know, the, the lockdown certainly in the UK came around six seven months or so ago. Um, and there was globally that initial fear and panic and uncertainty. And, and there, you know, there were groups and, and, and people who were kind of taking advantage of that. But there has now been this real shift and realization that, that going back to normal, um, whatever that used to be, is, is going to look very different in the future. So based on your experience and, and, and leaving, leaving the U.S. and going to India and such, who do you think or what type of people or what skill sets do they perhaps need? What qualities are, are, are best going to help people or, or who's going to succeed, do you think, most um, and be able to adapt best in this new evolving climate that we're in today? I think it's going to be those who are willing to take a few risks, a few chances, but also really tap into creativity. Coming from a solution-oriented mindset versus a problem-oriented mindset, meaning that we can, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a quote by a very famous philosopher, um, the problem is not the, the, the problem, the problem is the attitude about the problem, right? Jack Sparrow <laughs> actually said that in Pirates of the Caribbean. But, but here's the thing, you know, we're, we're looking at, a lot of people are looking at the problem that they're facing, right? But everyone's facing a problem. Right? And if it wasn't one problem, it's another problem. So it's really our attitude about what we do with the problem and how do we turn problems into possibilities. And if those people waking up every morning um, and looking at what's the possibility in today, what's the possibility in the next three months, what's the possibility of the next three years that are finding those right opportunities, they, they kind of open up. So when you come from a what's possible mindset, then I believe that, you know, things are show, show up in your life that say, oh, this could be what I should be changing, changing to or adding to my business or doing something different. But it's the folks who are kind of drawn into the negativity, into all the drama. Um, I, I just feel that their energy is going in the wrong place. 
yeah yeah the, the idea of problems i think is an interesting one um i certainly when I, I i started with my online business around four years ago and and got into the, the growth personal growth and personal development and such and and it, it i think i traditionally when teaching and, and maybe a bit younger and maybe a bit more naive had this idea that that problems would go away and you could get get rid of problems but it almost seems and again i'm like very you know naive in this area and still learning a lot but it seems that problems never really go away it's it's almost like a better quality of problem um in the sense of we know we know that this is a challenge or this is a situation that needs to be dealt with how do we look at it but how do we then once we do that and act on this how do we give ourselves a better quality of problem um that allows us to maybe help more people impact more people and reach more people as well to take that into business then because when you we're both connected to to um the rethink uh brand and and, and working um um alongside paul omani and the company there and i wonder i'd be keen for you to talk about how that came about but also certainly when 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 i met you the first time um i think it was in february early this year and there was this you, you you kind of came in with the idea of being able to identify not necessarily problems as being the, the, the right word but areas where there was that things weren't quite working smoothly within a company and helping identify what they are and then looking at ways that we could find solutions so could you just explain a little bit more about how you do that with companies and, and maybe how you came to, to, to work with paul and, and the rethink company as well yes yeah, so when i end up working with organizations i do my best to sit in the beekeeper position versus one of the bees in the hive. Because the moment you kind of get sucked into being a, a bee in the hive, you lose perspective on what's working and what's not working. So when I went, when uh, I met Paul back, I think in December. Uh, so basically, I, 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 um, the the ten year outsourcing um, relationship ended back in the November, end of November last year, and I was kind of like, what's next? And um, I was actually introduced to to Paul. And Paul said, hey, you know, would you be open to a job with the company? So I said, well, I'm not really looking for a job right now. So he said, well, how about this? Come, come. Um, we have a team meeting, uh, yearly planning meeting on uh, in January. Why don't I fly you over and meet the team uh, and, you know, and, and see if it's something that you can help with. So I flew over and met the team, great team. And immediately um, in that planning, I think it was a couple of days, started to identify for myself a couple of areas where I saw things could you know, probably easily be uh, improved or easily or over time be, be improved. Um, so I kind of said, hey, Paul, look, I don't want a job per se, but I do think I can, you know, help you and the team um, improve the kind of the operational, um, the way you operate, right? So out of that, out of working with Paul and a couple of other companies, I've created what I call the, the, the Be Inspired Operating System. So again, it goes back to that book I read, which is, you know, when I look at the team, I look at it as a hive. You've got these bees um, running their different functions in, in the hive. The net result is, is well, for, from, for, for humans, it's, it's honey, but for the bees, it's basically, it's, it's the, the, you know, well, it's also honey for, the, for the, the young bees, right? So there's a production element to it that they've got to produce a result at the end of the day. So what's the most efficient, productive way that the team can work together, each bee being, the best they can be at their job role at the job function. So here's something interesting that that bees, are, you know, people think about the queen bee. However, the queen bee doesn't make decisions for the hive. 
So in, in, in this case, we look at the people doing the actual work and work from almost bottom up. So we feed information back up to management and say, look, based on what they're doing, here's how we can make improvements. Here's what, they're, here's what the team members are asking for. Here's how we as an organization can actually better serve the, the individuals that make up the hive. So, and there's, there's, there's so many more, you know, everything from communication, how people communicate. We can even look at the way bees communicate. Um, but essentially that's what it is. I, I, I look at it, you know, in my own, I don't speak about it too often because not everyone gets it. But in my mind, I see it as, you know, the beekeeper making sure that the company, the hive is as efficient and productive as possible, including, you know, a lot of hives get destroyed by, you know, rogue, um, uh, by uh, electricity, um, um, parasites, uh, you know, and so, so we've got to watch for these things too, right? So even within a company, there can be parasitic elements to it. So we, we have to kind of find them and take them out if you want the hive to succeed. Also um, in, in bee culture, um, sometimes a bee is past its prime, like it's no longer useful to the hive. So that way, you know, we, we, so we have to be a little bit emotionally detached from, you know, from that as well. Now there's a lot of, we can have a much deeper conversation about when is it right to do that and is it not right? But if you're looking at it from a company perspective and not getting emotional about it, then we have to look at are bees performing their job well, right? So are the, are the employees doing the best they can be? If they're not, what's missing? Is it training? Is it support? Is it emotional? Um, so we look at all of those elements when it comes to improving the entire organization. I love it. Um, thank, thank you for that. The, 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 the thing that I find, I'm going to come back, it's almost back to the first question that we talked about, but the fact that you've got this analogy of the bees and the hive and the queen bee, and so it, it just makes it, for me, it just makes it easy for, 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 for me to follow firstly, but it makes it easy for anybody to listen, that's listening to follow. Just totally different question uh, on a bit of a different tangent, but if you're working with business owners and entrepreneurs or individuals, do you find that if they have maybe an analogy or an example in real world that, that they can portray in their business or that where they, they use that kind of metaphor in their business, do you find that that sometimes helps when they're doing that as well? Obviously you've taken the, the, the B example. Do you find that that helps when people do that? I believe it does. Um, you know, as human beings, you know, I mean, this is, this is goes right with, with your uh, area of expertise, um, Jake, which is imagery, right? So we go back through time. The earliest known methods of kind of mass communication is through images, right? So let me kind of just go back, you know, several thousand years here. So there is a, there's a very famous Hindu deity. It's called Ganesh. Ganesh is often known as the elephant god, the remover of obstacles. So people will see this and they say, oh, that's this Ganesh. And they'll pray to Ganesh, hoping that Ganesh will remove the obstacles, remove the problems, the, help them with the challenges. However, when we break down the symbolic element of Ganesh, and I'll just do it really quickly here for you here. So next time you look at Ganesh or right after this, go pull up an image of Ganesh on Google or whatever, you will see that Ganesh is basically, um, there's some very key features of, around Ganesh. One is, he's got a, a big head. The big head represents the importance of developing intellect and wisdom. Ganesh has very small eyes. This represents focus, small mouth, which represents speak less, listen more because of the big ears. In the top right hand, there is an ax. The ax represents detachment from worldly things in which you place your happiness, which means that if your happiness is attached to, to material things, 
it can be so easily taken away from you and you'll never be happy. Uh, in the upper left hand, there is a kind of a lasso or, or, or a whip. This basically is talking about reining in your emotions, that if you allow your emotions to rule your life, then they'll run away and you'll, you'll never be content, right? Um, in the lower right hand, Ganesh has basically got, got a blessing. So his hands like, like, you know, blessing you, which is life itself is the blessing. You know, so we keep waiting for God to show up, but God has shown up in form of life. In the lower left hand is a, is, is, is a, what looks like a ball, but it's basically a sweet dish, which is don't be so caught up in the little problems in life that even when life is gifting you, you know, sweets and, and, um, and, and gifts that we don't accept them right? As simple as a, a, a walk in nature is a, is a gift that we often overlook. Now, Ganesh is sitting on a throne, which means that it's, we have a, a right to become the masters of our own domain in this existence. Far too many people are, especially people who start studying spirituality, are always kind of you know, thinking that meditation and that trans, uh, transcending is, is the key. But what Ganesh symbolizes is that we are in a physical realm right now, and it's up to us to become masters of that physical realm, also represented by the crown he wears as well. He sits on the throne, and at the bottom of his throne, there is a small rat, a rat or a mouse, and which, which symbolizes that if, you, if your focus is on the small things not working out in life, you'll be happy. And lastly, he's got a big belly. That symbolizes that life will always throw good and bad at you, and it's our job to digest both. Now, in one symbol, there are dozens of dozens of lessons embedded uh, into that form. So that what I teach people is like, it's not about worshiping Ganesh. It's about how do we become more like Ganesh to overcome the obstacle, right? So that started about back in about 2010, 2011, that fascination with ancient symbology. So, so now I teach people that, okay, what's in your environment that you can use to anchor certain beliefs, certain habits, that will make you more efficient, make you more productive, right? Um, for some people, even a um, looking at a Starbucks coffee cup, right? Just the symbol of Starbucks can be relaxing for some people, right? So that's kind of how I start to build it into the environment in which we work. Amazing. I've, I've learned, probably learned more in the last three minutes uh, <laughs> than I think I have for a very long time. I, I, I had no idea about any of that, but I must go and look at images of, of, of Ganesh after this, because it, that's fascinating. I, I, I'll be coming back and listen to that again, because even just an image of that, just to, to, to put, as you say, pinpoint all those different areas and so much meaning within that is, is fascinating. So thank you so much for that. I, I, I had no idea. Um, that, okay, incredible. Talk, talk to me a little bit, because you just touched on the, the idea of sort of ancient um, symbology and such. Um, Within that, or from those lessons from, from, from Ganesh and that you are now applying to business, we talked about when we sat down um, back in February, there was something that you introduced me to, which I absolutely loved. And it made a lot of sense tied into you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, individuals that are, that are doing everything and, and trying, obviously working in the business as opposed to being able to always work on the business. And you showed me a method, which I thought was just really, really powerful and really, really effective to, to help take a step back if you like. Um, I'm always keen to share practical things that people who are listening to the episode and, and the podcast can implement as well. So 
the thing that we talked about at the time was was something called was it the gold method or the gold yeah, system? Like good as gold, you know. Good um, as gold. Yeah. Could you could you could you sort of um, branch out about the the good as gold uh, method? Yeah. yeah. Is, you know, you can if you, if you want to kind of do this at home, you draw it, um, take a piece of paper and put it into um, draw a line, make it into quarters. And in one quarter, you put the word uh, the G, which stands for what you're good at doing. Uh, o is basically what you're okay at doing, which means that you know you know how to do it, but you're not you're not the best, but you can get it, can get by. Um, L is what you like doing, and again, put the so the G and the L should both be on the uh, left hand side, yeah. and the O and the D, which D stands for what you dislike doing, right? Um, it doesn't matter which side, but as long as the G and the L line up on one side and the O and the D on the other side. And then you basically start filling it in. What, what are you good at doing? Right? And then you write down what you like doing. So what kind of brings you joy? So, you know, doing interviews, uh, uh, both sides, interviewer and interviewee, you know, I just enjoy that because it's a great way to connect and with an individual, but also get your message out too, right? Then then things I'm okay at doing, like copywriting. I'm like, okay at copywriting. I kind of know the basics of copywriting and add a little bit of NLP there. Certainly not, I don't do it full time. So I wouldn't say I'm great at doing, but if I had to save a few bucks, I could probably get away with it, at least in the first round of stuff, right? I know a little bit of click funnels. I think I'm okay at doing click funnels. Um, what I dislike doing is I hate doing finances, right? I hate doing finances. I hate doing invoicing, billing, you know, and these are, we'll talk about more in just a second because there's a lot of what we do in our businesses, which is process driven. And I normally find that most entrepreneurs don't like running processes. We'll come back to that. So by filling out this good as gold chart, you basically start to create um, understanding of what you are good at and like doing on one side of the sheet of paper and what you're okay at and dislike doing on the other side. And now this starts giving you a clue in terms of what you should be outsourcing first or delegating out to people first. We'll start with a dislike. And a dislike, um, if there's things that you just don't, you don't like doing, start there. That way you, you feel more fulfilled at the end of the day. Because if your day is filled with things that you dislike doing, but you're spending a good few hours doing it on a daily basis, it's going to leave you more drain. It's going to tap into your creative energy. It's going to you know, tap into your ability to help your clients do your work properly. So that, that's kind of how I use the, the gold model, the good as gold model. I love it. And so coming on from that that this 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 good as gold model and the idea of delegation starting with things or identifying things that you dislike and passing those on in in sort of that process form that we had a conversation uh, more recently because I, i've been looking to build up the team and, and bring in certain um, team members and look to outsource as well and of course that's your area of expertise i often get asked about when is the best time to outsource or what areas of growing their people growing their brand on Instagram, building their business on Instagram and such, or building an online business. When should I start outsourcing? When, when's the best tips and things? So how, how would you advise that based if somebody did that gold process, for example, a good gold process. And then here's what I'm going to advise. And, and most people don't do it this way, but essentially there are two types of things that you can outsource. There are projects and there are processes entrepreneurs over my 10 years i've seen that most entrepreneurs solopreneurs they're, they're much more comfortable outsourcing a project getting a website done maybe getting a book cover design getting a logo done for them that's what we call a project right processes are things that have to be done day to day week to week month to month in the business 
Now, processes by definition are mundane, boring, and repetitive. And most entrepreneurs hate things which are mundane, boring, and repetitive. Yeah. So they tend not to do them, or they tend not to do them well, right? And I'm going I'm to use a very classic example, which is uh, follow-up. So basically, the, you know, you've probably heard the saying, uh, the fortune is in the follow-up. Despite this being an, an age-old saying, I will tell you that 98% of entrepreneurs I meet are either horrible at doing follow-up, they don't do follow-up, or they don't do a good job of follow-up, yeah. right? Yet, I can tell you from my own personal experience that if I go back over my 20-odd years uh, in entrepreneurship, that if I had followed up with more people, I am guaranteeing you I would have been 10 times much more wealthy and more successful in business. Just imagine the number of people you've interacted with. Even for you, Jake, I mean, you know, this has been a four-year, I think you said four years you've been kind of on this journey, right? Yeah. But the number of people you've interacted with, right? And people can actually, actually do this exercise at home. Even if they look back at the last 12 months of people they've interacted with, right? And, and create a list of people. Look at your text, look at your SMS messages, your WhatsApp messages, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, and write down all the people that you already know. Not like cold traffic, I'm just talking about people you already know who might know somebody that could benefit from your service, right? So write down that list and then ask yourself, when was the last time you did an effective job of reaching out to them just to say, how, how are things going, right? So there's a, there's a saying called no like, and trust. What nobody really talks about is no like, trust, and remember. Because if, if you, you know, and I know that you do Instagram, and I'll tell you that in the last, you know, 30 days, it, the word Instagram has come up a few times. But if you're not, you know, front and center in my mind, I'm not even going to remember to refer them to you. So as entrepreneurs, we need to do a better job of following up with people. Now, follow-up is a process. So immediately, people are going to resist doing follow-up because it's the same thing over and over again. And this is where entrepreneurs have been kind of, I feel, at least my 10 years of experience, going wrong. So the first thing I tend to say you want to start thinking about outsourcing is what other processes that will drive, will generate a result in your business. For yeah. most, it's going to be money related, right? More sales, um, you know, more conversions. Those are things I look at. So I always start saying, first design the processes or think about the processes that will create the result in your business. Then look at what are the least number of projects that have to get done that will allow that process to work, right? So you have a process, Jake, you know, you, you, you sell an Instagram program on, online, right? So you, you right up front, you define, okay, this is my Instagram course and the process I'm going to use to sell it. I'm going to basically maybe, and maybe, I'm, you know, you may or may not be doing this, but just kind of giving you this example. Yeah, yeah. The way I'm going to do this, I'm going to run traffic on Facebook and then basically people will fill out a form and they'll have a conversation with them. And then if it's the right fit, I'm going to sell them into my course, right? Pretty, pretty straightforward process. What most people do, they don't think about the intricacies of the process. They jump straight into developing the course and never get into really running the process effectively. So what they do, they happen to be at the next event and someone says, oh, you can buy my course and make a lot more money and 997. So they jump from course to course to course, which in other words, project to project to project. And therefore their expenses, their debt keeps going up, right? But if you pick that one thing that you're already doing, figure out which processes are going to drive the results and then say who, what's the process and who are the, what's the platform, which means that what are the 
programs that are going to be part of that process and who are the professional that's going to run that process. If people just start with that mindset of process first, outsource as much of it as possible so that you can focus on program delivery, course delivery, service delivery, whatever it is, um, that's probably going to be a great way for you to start to understand outsourcing way different from what most people are teaching. Amazing. Amazing. If further on from that, then if, if, if there are people listening today and they want more information about how they can work maybe with more closely with outsource uh, outsourcers or how they could maybe find their first outsourcer that's a good fit for their business um, or even just learn better about how to, how to work more effectively. If they've maybe got people on their team, but they're not doing it effectively or, or they, they're not sure if they're the right fit. What steps can people take to learn more about what you currently do with, with your team and, and, and the business there? Yeah, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you're looking to work with, you know, a team of virtual um, assistants, you want to build a virtual team, just go to uh, bijal.com, B-E-E-J-E-L.com. Uh, that's kind of my starting, uh, my, my kind of all-encompassing site where you can set up a time to chat to me, happy to talk to you about uh, different options. I want people to realize that it's, outsourcing is not the difficult part. Being clear about what you want is the difficult part. So it's very easy for me to say, hey, someone said, oh, do you have a virtual assistant that can do X, Y, Z? Sure, here you go. But I know that 80% of the time, if I do that, there's going to be a failure point, right? So it's far better to under, first understand the big picture of where you're driving your business and then to see which aspect of that business we can outsource first and then add on additional people as different parts of it become functional. Uh, the biggest mistake people can make is trying to outsource too much at, at one time. Yeah. Yes, you can do it, but I'm guaranteeing you that most people will be just overwhelmed by what the VAs will generate for them. And they themselves won't be able to keep up with the results that the VAs are creating for their business. And that's where you kind of see an early failure point in outsourcing. Right. Okay. I, it's, I, so I'll, I'll put the first out, I'll say I'll put the link in the, the show notes. So um, bjel.com, B-E-E-J-E-L.com for people to, to, to learn more about you. Um, about your, your background, but also maybe set up a conversation with you and, and, and understand more about how they could get support in their business in, in a number of ways. Um, obviously, we've, we've just specifically been talking there about uh, outsourcing and, and, and such, um, but in a number of ways. Uh, I'm, I'm very conscious, uh, Bijal, of your, of your time, but there's still a few things that I'd like to ask if, if we're okay just to go for a few more minutes. Um, Absolutely. Could we just... Uh, Moving into to I, I have kind of a, what I'd call a quick fire round. It doesn't have to necessarily be quick fire responses, but that quick fire round and quick fire questions. I would usually ask somebody about their maybe an unusual habit or routine or something that they do on a daily basis, which perhaps is is a little bit unusual. It's not something that many people do. But I understand that you you teach a a, 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 a process, if you like, in the morning called a gifted way is have I, have I got that correct could you tell yeah. us about that yeah so the, the so explain what the gifted means the gifted is an acronym I love I love acronyms they, they rep represent micro programs that we can run in our life so G stands for gratitude I stands for imagination F is forgiveness T is transformation E is vibe and D is detachment so I basically pull these from some of the world authorities and experts in terms of what we should be doing on a regular basis or daily basis to really improve our life. So everything starts with gratitude. In fact, there's a, there's a moment before this called A is awareness. So awareness is, is the, the highest, one of the highest spiritual disciplines is self-realization, which also translates into awareness of oneself. 
So we start with just tuning into awareness of thoughts and, and feelings and breath and even, even heartbeat. From there, we go into gratitude. What are we grateful for about gratitude? So, but it, it's, it's so fundamental in terms of um, you know, a, a self or a personal development process or self-development process yeah. that we remind ourselves of all the things still right in our lives versus all the things that are not going right in our lives. Yeah. Gratitude, we move into imagination. Okay. Um, so imagining what's possible for our lives. And that kind of sets the tone of forward thinking. Okay. Then I look at forgiveness because... Can I ask, sorry, Bijal, to interrupt, but just when you're, when you're doing this, what does it look like? So if, if you're doing the awareness and the gratitude and, and you're imagining, are you, are you sat, at a, are you sat in, in bed? Are you sat on, on, on a, a I, I, I've, done, I've done it in a... I've done it while swimming. I've done it while in the shower. <laughs> okay, you don't have to be sat down. There's no, you don't need to be writing. People could... No, write. you can do it, you can do it even you know, while in a walk because it's not, it's not a true meditation as such. It's, it's yeah. really... You're just running this program through, through your mind, okay? Nice. Okay. Um, now, the quieter and more concentrated the environment, the, the better, because you have a much more deeper experience, right? Um, the forgiveness is important because, you know, we can be as future-focused as we want, but if we're carrying baggage, if we're carrying ill will, we're carrying frustration towards somebody, anger to somebody, and as Buddha says, you know, that's like, you know, drinking poison and hoping the other person's going to die kind of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so a forgiveness process and you know the way I do it is I use Ho'oponopono, which is a Hawaiian technique, which is you just kind of surround the people that you want to forgive with white light. You thank them for being part of your life. You thank them for being teachers. And then you basically just have this disconnection moment with them. Uh, then we move into transformation, which is for us to create a new future, there's probably things about ourselves that we have to transform. So that's just really asking the question, what about myself do I need to transform um, to uh, create the future, which I just imagined is possible. So maybe it's like one thing at a time. Don't try and just say, oh, I'll change this, change that. No, what's one thing this week that I can transform about myself? Then probably the most important part, and this is what based on the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza, which I call it M-Vibe. Uh, so it's basically a combination of embody and vibration. So a lot of people talk about, um, you know, visualization, but it's really the visualization with the feeling of that future which is critical in terms of uh, impacting our, our, our uh, neurons in our brain and our beingness about what we want to create. So vibe is basically the one part where you can do it for a minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, but it's basically embodying the vibration, the future quality of the result that you're looking to create. Because, you know, it's, if you want to, if you say, if I, if I, if this happens, that happens, I'm going to be happy. Well, how about how you be happy now and allow that happiness energy to help create the future. Yeah. And then the very final part of that process is detachment, which is basically detaching from any outcome, from anything that's holding you back and just being in the place of now is basically the only time you have. So it's basically that, that's, that's it's like going back to Ganesh, right? The, the, the ax in the hand, which is that if you have everything you need today, right this minute, then you know, you're, you're whole and complete and you're much more free to move into that future or, or, take advantage of what's possible coming up for your life. I love it. I, thank you for that. I, 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 um, this, this, this exactly epitomizes why I just, why I love the, the, doing the podcast and being able to interview people from who, who just teach me so many things. And, and I know that there'll be people listening who will be going through that process 
a gifted a gifted way. Just just go through those letters one more time for us, BJ, yeah. so that people listening so can. G is gratitude. I is imagination. F is forgiveness. T is transformation. E is M vibe. So E M V I B E. And D stands for detachment. And the precursor is A. So A gifted way. A is awareness. Awareness of oneself. I love it. Thank you. Um, who, who for you has been um, either close or distant? Who has been the most important or influential or inspirational mentor, if that's the right word? We, you mentioned coaches and mentors a little bit earlier, and we didn't dig too much in that in there at the time. But thinking about that, about it now, and maybe looking back, close or distant, um, who has, do you think has been the most influential or? Uh, inspirational mentor or coach for you in your in your journey so far. That, that's, a, it's, that's a fascinating question because you know I've learned from you know m many of the, the the top people in the industry. You know the the Tony Robbins, the Les Browns, the Jack Canfields, you know uh, um, Tiav Ecker. Uh, the, you know the list goes on. You know and 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 ultimately I came to this realization that they you know they are but teachers, right? They're, you know as you get to get to know each and every one of them. They're, they're flawed in their own unique way. They're also great in their own unique way. By far the greatest teacher that we'll ever have, in my opinion, is life itself, right? Yeah. So people say, you know, what is success? And I think success is basically, you know, being the best you can be despite everything else going on around you, right? So, you know, and, and if you go to that, that old um, uh, Dale Carnegie, uh, sorry, old Nightingale quote, which is, you know, success is basically the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, right? So that, that, that daily effort of getting up and doing the right thing, doing the best you can on a daily consistent basis, you know, and, and when challenges come your way, you, you be the hero and overcome the challenges. So that, that's kind of my, uh, I kind of, I don't know if it makes sense, like I'm, I'm, I'm not answering the question, but I truly believe that life itself is our greatest teacher. And, and we can pull from so many different sources to find solutions, answers, ideas to overcome those challenges. So th thank you. Thank you for that. And to further on from that, it, another question, which you may, it may be the same answer. It may be slightly different, but if you could get one message, one phrase, one word or, or a sentence or a feeling or a, a thought out to the world, um, what would it be? Uh, well, you know, just just to put it in 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 the context of this conversation, it's it's the it's you know the B epic daily. So we talked about the B epic stands for being more efficient, more productive, more intentional, which is basically encompassing goal setting and planning, yeah. and more completional. You know, you know that that sense of completing something uh, can can lead to a far more uh, a state of more content and daily which is, you know, it's not a, there's no weekend special. There's no magic pill that, you know, we have to show up on a, every single day and, and do the work. I love it. I, I'm almost tempted to, to, to leave with that because I think that's such a great, a great place to finish. But I have to ask you the last question because I ask everybody that comes on the, the podcast this question. Um, BJL, what does the word influence mean to you? Uh, it's my my ability to in, inspire or share wisdom that hopefully will make someone else's day life a little bit better than it was yesterday. I've got no doubt that anybody that's listened to this episode today um, will take that feeling away from our conversation. Um, you've been an incredible guest. Bijal, genuinely, it's been 
fascinating hour for me alone. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say, um, certainly on, on my, my behalf, but on everybody listening as well, thank you so much for giving up your time um, and, and joining us for a conversation. I would love to have another conversation. It'd be fascinating for us to perhaps have a conversation in a few months' time, depending what the global situation is, and maybe we can look back and reflect on what has changed and, and, and how people have embraced these changes and with the move online and, and such. Um, but I would certainly love to have a, a follow-up in the future. Um, for anybody then, so just to recap for, for anybody that's listening today and would like to, 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 to reach out to you, to contact you, um, connect with you, um, where's the best place for them to do that? Yep, the same site. So we go to bijal.com or beepicdaily.com. They both go to the same, same place. Um, but yeah, they can, they can learn more about me, learn more about the work we do in terms of productivity, um, and also outsourcing. Brilliant. Bijal, thank you so much. Very much appreciate your time. This has been a thoroughly enjoyable time, a thoroughly enjoyable episode. Um, I do hope that we can do it again for everybody that's been listening today. Thank you all so much for being with us. And I look forward to seeing you in the very next episode. Take care. Hi friends, Jake here again. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find links to anything that we've discussed, books, trainings, other podcasts, uh, anything currently that we're enjoying, you will find those in the show notes or you'll find it somewhere in and around all the information that you usually find in a podcast. And a reminder that if you'd like to know more about what I do, if you want more of tools, resources, any recommendations, readings, uh, free training, products and such, then you can find all of that on the website jakeadamdavy.com. Equally, if you want to come over and say hello, Instagram is always the best place and the account is at jakeadamdavy. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave us a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something or listened to something that you've enjoyed yourself and you think will be beneficial or useful to other people, please do pass that on. It will be very much appreciated. And as you know, when you get a recommendation from somebody that you trust, there really is nothing better. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay on mission, do something extraordinary for others, keep inspiring and keep growing your circle of influence. Goodbye.